0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Beyond Alzheimer's Disease, Other Causes of Progressive Dementia in the Older Adult. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on April 6, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalysts and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their effort to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Rebecca Wilson, a dementia care consultant and trainer, discusses the impact of dementia on the individual and family system.
1: All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, great information so far, and um, I, I look forward to talking through um, if you can go to the next slide, is an overview of what I plan to discuss today, um, again, repeating some of what's been discussed, but just what is the impact or the implications on the individual and the family system when we look at the, the challenges they experience throughout the diagnostic process, um, the symptoms being less recognized and understood, more emphasis on that caregiver burden that Dr. Lance and Dr. Hall have addressed, um, young onset considerations, and then community resources. So if you can go to the next slide, please. So with the diagnostic process, um, as has been shared by our previous presenters, that misdiagnosis is very common. Um, Frontotemporal degeneration is often misdiagnosed, again, as late-onset mental health issues. I've heard a lot of sleep apnea misdiagnoses. Um, Even one of our um, family caregivers shared that She had been told by her healthcare provider that she must be having marital problems, that she is making up the symptoms because her 46-year-old husband did not um, exhibit those symptoms when they were in the doctor's office trying to get the diagnosis. So she was told that she should seek um, counseling because they must have marital problems. So um, lots of misdiagnoses that we hear, again, as Dr. Hall said, late onset bipolar disorder um, until we finally get that diagnostic or that diagnosis, um, there's a lot of challenges emotionally for the family, not understanding the symptoms that are being expressed. Um, but once that diagno- a diagnosis is made, then we can see clear in the rear view mirror um, why these symptoms have been occurring, that it is the disease process and not the person. But by that point, often there are consequences that Um, have resulted in many frontotemporal degeneration um, families, we see that there has become, there's been involvement with the legal system potentially, or a divorce has occurred um, because of these symptoms being misunderstood. Again, in retrospect, when we look back that um, those symptoms are clear and they make sense, so there's often a sense of relief to get that diagnosis those negative um, or unfavorable behaviors are suddenly explained. And once we know what it is, as family members and providers, we can feel a sense of empowerment. Okay, now that I know what we're up against, I can learn about it and I can, as a care partner, um, face the future with more confidence, learning about the disease process. And again, I look, greatly look forward to hearing Sharon talk about her experiences and how she has become empowered. And this has, in a sense, become a platform for her to connect with other um, families who are dealing with similar situations. Support in the community is often very limited beyond Alzheimer's disease. Um, many dementia care programs and communities, adult day programs, et cetera, are set up on an Alzheimer's disease model, where you do see pockets around the country where there are more Specific programs for Lewy body, frontotemporal degeneration, young onset Alzheimer's. Um, those specific programs are often started at a grassroots level by impacted families or friends or support groups. So we do see um, some areas of the country have more resources, whereas others don't yet. And so that is always a challenge of helping family members get connected with others in a similar situation. Next slide, please. When we look at the symptoms as Dr. Lance and Dr. Hall have described, these symptoms are less recognized when many folks who have limited experience with dementias or non-Alzheimer's dementias um for many people the word dementia equals uh memory impairment but memory impairment may not be a factor with some of these non-Alzheimer's uh dementias as has been described earlier particularly in frontotemporal degeneration, memory may be fine and so the person may um, score well on traditional neuropsych testing that are more geared towards Alzheimer's disease. As as the presenters have also described with vascular um, dementia in particular, symptoms may vary depending on the severity of the damage and the area of the brain impacted. So, when people use Alzheimer's disease as a reference point, these other symptoms seem more irregular. Um, As has been discussed, safety considerations, um, because of that safety awareness decreasing, the lack of insight into the disease process, um, safety becomes a a huge concern for families and providers. Um, So that is part of the symptoms of these non-Alzheimer's dementias, in particular, that safety is a a huge issue early on, and we're gonna talk about um, resources and services in particular down the road. With the Lewy body dementia, as has been described, these fluctuations in mental status, the falls, the hallucinations, these can all be very challenging for caregivers to manage Um, the mood disturbances, and the physical increased care needs in vascular dementia, all of these symptoms in themselves being different than what we typically see in an Alzheimer's disease patient, um, that we have to give unique consideration to the different types of symptoms. Then with the frontotemporal degeneration, we may see um, legal implications. Again, someone may have encountered the legal system in some capacity. Um, Oftentimes families need to um, seek out a elder law attorney to look at conservatorship or guardianship, as Jerry Hall pr- presented, um, financial implications. We'll talk about employment um, and social implications, which we'll discuss further here. If you can go to the next slide, please. So, the, the nature of the symptoms for these non-Alzheimer's dementias tends to create extra challenges for the caregiver, higher increased physical care earlier on in the disease process with vascular dementia, the language and behavioral changes in in frontotemporal dementia, and then again, these fluctuations. And, And something that I've seen with caregivers when talking with families and counseling them through caregiving with Lewy body degeneration is when they don't particularly understand that these fluctuations are common, these cognitive fluctuations and this the, the fluctuations in their ability to understand and comprehend and care for themselves, um, families tend to think, well, this person is messing with me. So an example that I've heard is um, a, a caregiver says, well, I, I said to my mother in the morning, let's have coffee and donuts, and she was able to swing her legs over the bed and get dressed fairly independently. And then in the afternoon, I am trying to get her off the toilet, and I'm saying stand up, and she looks at me blankly. So the the easy misinterpretation of that is for families to say, well, she's just messing with me. This is just my mom, and she's always tried to, to manipulate me. Well, that may be true, but this is different now. Now she has this disease process that is impacting her ability to respond um, at different times, and these fluctuations are common. So it's a really important for us as um, support providers to explain the fluctuations and that this is the disease at this point, not the person. Um, additional high stress with caregiving, um, being a rare diagnosis, I can't tell you how many families have said when coming to a a support group specific to frontotemporal dementia that they really appreciate connecting with others in a similar situation. Alzheimer's disease has its own set of challenges, but when a a 40-something-year-old comes to a support group to talk about the symptoms of frontotemporal dementia and their loved one's impulsivity and erratic behaviors and maybe getting, in again, in, involved with the legal system, um, that's a very different set of circumstances than a 85-year-old person who is dealing with repetitive questioning. Again, not trying to minimize Alzheimer's disease. It's just a different sense of stress that these caregivers often experience. Also, because the age of onset with um, young onset Alzheimer's and frontotemporal dementia being younger it's less expected if we run into someone in a grocery store um, who is confused in their 80s it's much more accepted than a 40 something year old who is undressing in public and that is not as normalized we start to think well this person has mental health issues and so that burden on the caregiver is unique um, as well What do families need most from us when they're dealing with caregiving for someone with, with all types of dementia, but in particular when we're looking at these non-Alzheimer's forms, what does the family need? First, they need advocates. They need advocates like us and advocates like you. They need recognition of the loss that they're experiencing, support and help with care and respect and dignity for their loved ones. Um, They are experiencing this loss. Their loved one is still there. They look maybe similar to the pre-symptom person that they were, um, yet they're noticing these changes over time and dealing with um, learning to navigate this illness. Next slide. Um, With the young young onset in particular, and I know I'm I'm rapidly running out of time, so I'll fast forward a little bit here. Um, The Young onset, we have to think about the developmental stage of the family. There may be young kids at home, aging parents who people have, um, individuals who are getting that diagnosis and their care partners are have been maybe previously considering care for aging parents, but now um, that this diagnosis has been made, we often see parents as caregivers for their children. Um, so with Alzheimer's disease, we tend to see caregivers as a spouse or adult children with younger onset we often see parents now becoming that caregiver for their child. Um, as Dr. Lance and Dr. Hall suggested, we do see um, a, may potentially a stronger genetic component with younger onset forms of dementia, so that um, concern about genetics and um, what happens if I am also um, on the path to having this type of illness as a um, as a loved one of someone with frontotemporal dementia or early onset Alzheimer's, the concern about genetics tends to be something that we hear quite frequently. With younger onset um, diseases also, the person with dementia who has been a earner maybe now has to stop working, and the caregiver who is also potentially needing to earn money is transitioning into a caregiver role as well, may need to consider um, family medical leave and other um, employment considerations. Next slide. As with any chronic illness, um, planning documents are needed. If those aren't in place, then conservatorship or guardianship may need to be explored. And just to repeat that, many caregivers may need to consider um, family medical leave and other resources as they transition into a caregiver role, next slide, please. often families who are dealing with these non alzheimer's types of dementia um, they're often at the peak of their career and earning power, potentially thinking about retirement in the next phase of life, um, maybe raising the children, going to college, children leaving their homes so they're they're In a different life phase and then now they find themselves facing this deteriorating illness and knowing that increasing care needs are coming down the road. So the legal and financial implications are quite different than we might see in the traditional Alzheimer's patient who you see in your practice. With that I want to highlight and I have it copied here in the slides if you can go to the next slide um, that to be aware of this Compassionate Allowance initiative, which is a way to expedite SSDI and SSI disability claims, also expediting accessibility to Medicare benefits. This information was copied from SSA.gov, so you can find that information. I'll just leave that there for you. Again, the application process is no different than traditional application process, but because this Um, FTD early onset Alzheimer's are considered, and many other conditions which you can find listed online, are considered these compassionate allowances. This would be something to refer families toward, again, to expedite accessibility to benefits. Next slide, please. For resources, support groups, and I think Sharon will underscore this. um, Resources for families, support groups are great resources to connect with others in similar situations, not just from an emotional perspective, but also from a problem-solving perspective. For families to say, okay, well, I dealt with similar issues, and here's how I encountered that or managed that. Professionals like Dr. Hall, who can provide creative, non-pharmacological interventions and suggestions, hopefully support groups are going to be a great opportunity for families to get that support that they need so much. When we look at care models, again, as I said previously, with adult day programs and assisted living facilities, skilled nursing facilities, a lot of the care models are set up on Alzheimer's disease. Um, So there may be a challenge in finding providers who have greater understanding of these Non-Alzheimer's forms of dementia, but we have seen an increase in providers reaching out for more education. As Jerry referenced, the AFTD, the Association for Frontotemporal Degeneration, there are lots of resources related to FTD on their website, as well as the org website. So there, there is information out there for providers. Um, it's just a matter of getting that information into the right hands of the right people. Next slide, please. When family members are looking at planning for the future, um, the first step and and in your field as participants, as you are encountering families and individuals with non-Alzheimer's forms of dementia, um, helping them know the next steps is going to be very helpful. Knowing that it's a care team, not one person alone, Determining what are their goals for care? And when we set out with knowing what the goals are early on Then we can use that goal as a guiding factor So if our goals are comfort and safety How do we make decisions based on using those goals as the guiding factor? Oftentimes when counseling families, I'll go back to that. Okay. What are your primary goals? When we go back to those primary goals, it helps in making decisions. Okay, if safety is a primary goal and we're discussing um, out-of-home placement, well, safety at home is a big consideration because I've just got one caregiver. Whereas if my loved one were to be in a memory care facility that is experienced in dealing with non-Alzheimer's dementia, then their safety would increase. So again, using those goals always as that guiding factor. Next slide, please. The challenge when we do consider other options out of home is that the person with non-Alzheimer's dementia doesn't always fit. Um, The symptoms may be different. They may not fit in as naturally. The symptoms are different. They're younger. And not all facilities and programs are willing to accept and meet the needs of individuals with non-Alzheimer's type dementias. That is a challenge that we see across the country um, is that this lack of awareness and lack of understanding when most professionals use Alzheimer's disease as the reference point. So understanding the disease process, learning more about the disease process is vital in order to meet the needs of these individuals. Also as Dr. Hall mentioned hospice care and, and the idea of palliative or comfort care for uh, as a guiding philosophy. Um, With hospice, we do tend to see denials um, for particularly folks with frontotemporal degeneration because that criteria for hospice is geared towards Alzheimer's disease. Um, So denials may be common for individuals who are younger, stronger patients. Um, So again, it takes advocating for how does this person meet hospice criteria so that they can receive the benefits that they are entitled to use? Next slide, please. And I I apologize for going over um, some best practices for home and community-based care. Um, As I said, I do a lot of teaching around the country in facilities and day programs about how is care for someone with a non-Alzheimer's dementia different? Um, well, first, it's recognizing that it is different and that structure is uh, is very important. Tailoring activities to the person's ability, their past interests, and recognizing that they may not initiate activity on their own, but once help given help to engage, they may actually engage in, a, in an activity once they are helped to get started. Unfortunately, the individual with frontotemporal degeneration Um, tends to benefit more greatly with individual activities versus group activities. And then as we all know in a lot of um, the day programs and facilities, group activities are the norm. And so there's a challenge getting that person who is younger engaged in that activity who, um, and with that frontotemporal degeneration, they may not participate group-wise. They need more individual activities. And we see that they may relate more with the staff than they do with the older residents. With the younger onset dementias, we're going to see people relate more towards the younger staff members than perhaps the older Alzheimer's residents.